Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast, episode 65. Today, I'm sitting down with Nick Onkin, self-described creative alchemist and photographer behind the colorful brand Photographs by Nick Onkin, the podcast Neon Life, and hat brand Onkin Hats. Nick is a multi-talented, multi-passionate creative who lives by the creed, always be creating. I love how Nick talks about creativity as first something we do for ourselves before we monetize it for business or use it functionally. Throughout today's podcast, Nick is honest about his journey and his point of view, and I can't wait for you to listen to him talk about creativity and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast with your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you. Nick, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This is going to be really fun. So for anyone who doesn't know, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got started in photography? Oh, so that's a long question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is, uh, it's we need to know. We need to know some things. You know, it was a dark, rainy day in Seattle back <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> um, no, I was born in Seattle, born and raised on the playground in the rain. And um, I was I was always a bit creative as a kid. I was I, I, I think I started around middle school drawing Disney characters. I was obsessed with Disney characters and I started drawing them. And that was kind of like my foray into this world. I'd never even thought about becoming a photographer. I never thought I would become like, I didn't even know that was a job. Right. Um, I didn't know it was a career. And uh, as I grew, I went through high school and I did AP art, which was uh, advanced placement. So they made us do like a class in every different discipline from photography to painting to commercial uh, graphic arts and um, sculpture, stuff like that. And I really started to like that was right when tech like computers started you know, we had desktop publishing and that was like at the beginning days. And that's kind of what really got me interested in, in the, the idea of combining tech and arts. And so I ended up going to school for graphic design, went to community college and ended up taking a photography class in, in community college just as part of the design program. Uh, it was a black and white film photography class and, you know, did a lot of stuff in the dark room and different things like that. But again, still never even knew that that was even a career option. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know you could make money with it. And at, at that point, I just kept it as a hobby. I would shoot like, you know, maybe a roll of film in a year. And then, you know, I went on the path to become a graphic designer and I did that. I, I did freelance graphic design. I worked for a book publishing company for 
a couple of years doing book cover, designing book covers. And then kind of midway through a couple of years later in, uh, I started, or I was freelancing graphic design and a buddy of mine got back from Africa and he's like, he had an IT company. He's like, Hey, check it out. I just went to this. I just went, I got back from Africa and I, I donated my time and, and they, they flew me out there to build this like IT network. And I was like, man, I wish I could travel and do, you know, and, and work and have somebody else pay me for it or pay to pay me to do it. And I was like, but graphic design, you don't really need to be there. And I was like, well, maybe I can, I can do it with photography. So I hit up a nonprofit design client of mine that I had been working with doing design stuff for. And I was like, Hey, what do you think about the idea of me going to Africa and building you guys a photo library? They're like, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Um, and you just, well, you guys can pay like half the expenses and they're like, oh yeah, that's great. Sounds good. All right, let's set it up. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> and no, I, I, I didn't, I was just like jumping off the cliff and weaving the parachute as, as it, uh, as I was falling down. So that was really my kind of like my, you know, that trip, I went to Zimbabwe, Uganda, Kenya, and Burundi. And that trip was really eye-opening in two aspects. It, you know, it changed my life in, in the first aspect of just the way that I see the world and experiencing the developing world for the first time and seeing, you know, kids, you know, living in grass huts with, or mud huts with grass roofs and have barely anything. And they'll give you the shirt off your, off their back. And they're just like happy. And, you know, I never experienced this before. And it was so, um, world changing for me uh, mm-hmm. to the point where I, you know, it took me a few months after I got back to even adjust to getting back into this first world that we live in and, and to see, you know, people get angry for not being able to get their $4 latte when that's what somebody would make. Right. I call those champagne problems. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we have, um, you know, and I have to remind myself, oh my gosh, this is such a champagne problem. Like get over it. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. And I mean, I mean, that could, we can, open that can about what's going on now. But, you know, I think, you know, the other way that opened up my eyes was to the idea of actually becoming a photographer. Still never really didn't realize that it was a career, didn't realize you can actually make money at it. But I was like, I could see doing this as a as a as a job. This would be fun. People paying me to fly all over the world and take photos. Um, sign me up. So I got back and uh, I started doing design web design updates just randomly this friend connected me with this photographer in seattle and started doing website updates for him and then i just like started pounding him with questions and about photography and like and just he was just so he was so kind to answer anything uh you know any questions that i had this is pre-social media days it was just uh, he eventually he was just like oh maybe you should just come out on a shoot and hang out with me and my assistant i was like great i would love to so that was kind of my first induction into seeing what this was that, like the actual business of a photographer. And I think that's kind of the best way to learn is to work for other people who have been in it for so long and had been doing this, you know, as a career versus, you know, school is school's one thing, but I think with art uh, creative careers, you can really learn a lot by working for people. So eventually I became like, I started assisting him like, you know, once or twice a week, one or two days. And that's really when I realized like, that's really what I want to do. And so I set myself on that path and went hard and, you know, grounded out. It was like good, you know, 
but definitely put in, you know, it's like the 10 year overnight success kind of thing. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, that led to, you know, one of my first jobs was for shooting for Nike and I was shooting these, you know, huge pro sports players like Ben Roethlisberger and Albert Pujols. And I mean, I had no idea who these people were when they called me. I had to like Google them. (laughs) However, they are, they're, they're pretty big deals. And that was like one of my first really big jobs. And I had to kind of, same thing. It was like, learning how to do this on the fly and asking as many questions as I could and finding the right people and ended up pulling that job off successfully. And I thought I was in, thought the ball was rolling. I thought I'm, I'm doing this. And then I didn't see another job like that for two years. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, so there's lots of ups and downs and I, that job ended up be, kind of being a fluke for how, how long I was just doing it for, you know, a couple of years when I got that job. And then you know, it took an, another good few years to really kind of get in the groove. And it wasn't even until 2008, nine is when I really started to get like my commercial photography kick. And right around 2009 is when I met a friend of mine, Adam Braun, who founded the charity Pencils of Promise. And uh, they built schools for kids in the developing world. And, you know, I've always after that first trip to Africa, I always wanted uh, giving back to be a big part of what I do. And so I teamed up with him. He had built one school in Laos. And I, I just, I was like, I'm going to, this guy's going to build something big. I can feel it. He's got the, the brain to build the business around it and a bleeding heart for the cause. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to help this, help him out. And let's, let's do this. So I, he's like, yeah, I'm coming, I'm going to Laos in December. If you want to come, I can't pay you, can't pay for you, but you're welcome to come. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. So I flew out there, met up with him, and we traveled for six days building a photo library for him and the charity. At this point, I had done quite a few trips, and my my work was like definitely at a different space than that first one. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was a beautiful like synchronicity that had happened. And he he went on. He you know we've you know been friends, and I've worked with them. I probably do a, a, a project a year with them, but about. I'd say like a year or two later, um, we were hanging out. He was like, hey, man, check it out. My brother found this kid on the internet. He's going to be huge one day. His name's Justin Bieber. I was like, okay, sure. Never heard of him, whatever. And then like next thing you know, the kid's like, you know, blown up to be bigger than sliced bread. Right. <laughs> and that was kind of my, you know, a couple of years, then a couple of years after that, it was kind of my like induction into that world and, and photographing celebrities. And I shot him for the first time. I went on, you know, ended up meeting Scooter and uh, we all went, you know, him, Adam Scooter and I went on a Pencils of Promise trip down to Guatemala. I spent 24 hours with them and that's where I built, that's where I met Scooter. And then just kind of all like trickled down from there. And it was all stems back to giving back and just being, I think putting forth just giving energy and yeah. And then I, you know, I was doing commercial campaigns as well for tons of big brands from Coca-Cola to Reebok to you name it, Chevrolet, Chevy, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's kind of the gist. Yeah. That's the gist. Yeah. I guess that was probably pretty long, huh? No, 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 no. I like it. I like it. We, we need to know. I basically work to travel like food and water, those are good. Roof over our heads, fine. But like travel is is everything to me. How much does travel inspire you? 
I mean, it's been my, it's been a full on inspiration for me. I mean, going to different cultures and seeing different things. I actually, and I wrote a book on how I do travel photography like 10 years. It was, it came out in 2010. But yeah, I mean, I, traveling has been huge for me. I mean, it's weird that I haven't been on a plane in two months. Uh, usually it's like every two weeks. Can I ask a question and it not be rude? Yeah. I don't know. I will we'll try. How old are you? That's the rudest question. But I'm looking at your picture and you look like you're 25. And I'm thinking he wrote a book a decade ago. He's been to all these countries like you. You we need your secrets for your youth or you are just like Doogie Hauser who just does it all really young. I mean, I wish I wish I was Doogie. Um, I'm actually 41. <laughs> you do not look 41 at all. I mean, it's crazy. Guys, go to his Instagram and look. He looks so young. That's why you're saying all this. And I'm just, you should see my face back here. I'm like, how has he done all this? Like, this is, he's got to be in his 20s. And so I just had to ask. Sorry. The, ta- the tally's going. <laughs> yes. I was just like, this is, these, the amount of accomplishments is insane. So, you know, okay. Well, that's good because that's a more realistic you know, goal for people out there. I think it's hard when all these things happen in your twenties because you're like, man, what in the world? But yeah, you've 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 had you've had a little time. We've got a lot more time. Yeah, we're the, you know, we're, yeah. we're around the same age, you and I. So okay, <laughs> we get this now. Okay, so go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean it's I mean it's definitely a different thing today. I mean everybody wants everything yesterday, and I think with social media, people think that everything happens overnight, and it doesn't. Yeah. It takes years and years of work, and yes, and then it takes more work, you know. And that's yes. what I'm realizing now. It's a whole different ball of wax. I have to now have to I've had to re you know pivot and restructure business stuff over the last few years because my whole industry has been disrupted and changed. Um, right when I was one of the disruptors when I came into it. So it's, it's a completely interesting phenomenon, but yeah, traveling is, um, I've been to over 60 countries and seven continents and it's been a blessing. Running a floral business isn't always as pretty as the flowers themselves. I spent more than $100,000 educating myself and figuring out how to make this business work for me and fully support my family of five. If you're wanting to know how to not only run a profitable business, but also hear all my firsthand experiences of navigating how to deal with difficult brides, make automated systems, create proposals, set boundaries in your work, and book every bride you want, you need to check out business behind the blooms. Go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash BBB to get more information. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash BBB. So have you always been creative? I know you talked a second ago about drawing Disney characters when you were young. I I always think we tend to show our aptitudes for what we might want to do one day in early childhood, which is I've got three young kids myself and I'm always observing how they are because when we're young is when we do what we're naturally good at, right? And then we grow up and people start to talk and they'll, you know, insult you in one way or another and we start to kind of bury those things. But the other day I was watching 
the frozen behind the scenes with my daughter because she loves to draw. And I was showing her all these things because it's like you said, you go, I didn't even know this was a job. I didn't even know you could get paid for this talking about photography. And I was showing her all these things. I was like, look, those people are being paid to play the violin or the, you know, the uh, cello or whatever for the orchestra. That person is the songwriter. That's what she's paid to do is just write songs. And this one is a voiceover and this one is doing drawing and, and animation. Like there's all of these different things that, you know, that can be a job. You don't have to, you know, go work in in a corporate world doing something that you don't love. Um, And then I have a son who probably will be in the corporate world and love every moment of it. I just think it's fascinating. So for you, you, you were creative. Yeah, I was always creative. My parents luckily encouraged me to do whatever I wanted and really pursue what I loved. So that's how I ended up on the track of being a graphic designer and then becoming a photographer. And now I'm kind of just, now it's turned into like an all over, you know, I gained the graphic design skills, which was really, really helpful spending a few years doing that and then the photography and now you know i think i've evolved to and into doing a lot of different things like i make hats now i have my podcast i do the photography i painted murals you know designing different you know enjoy designing little different clothes type of stuff or wardrobe kind of anything so i mean for me like i'm heading in a direction that's not just a necessary a photographer. I mean, photography will always be a tool in my tool belt. But I think in the bigger scheme of things, I love I love making things. I love you talking about your parents and how they were just so open to you, you know, trying new things and doing what you wanted. How did their upbringings influence you? Like, what did they bring to the table, you know, differently that kind of, I guess, enveloped, you know, who you are? That's a great question. I don't really know much about their upbringing. It's funny enough, they didn't really, they never really talk about it. But I mean, they're very kind-hearted people, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that that I've gotten from them is they're just like they're always so you know hospitable and kind and uh, both really sweet people. And uh, I think that just kind of that rubbed off of me. And I think I'm, I'm, and I'm grateful for that to have had parents who have been like, yeah, do what you want. Don't, you know, you don't have to be, you don't go, don't go and be, or go be a, a doctor or a lawyer, you know, forcing me into a hole that I wouldn't want to go down. Um, I'm grateful to have had them, you know, encourage me to do what I wanted and what I loved. Mm-hmm. It's kind of everything. Yeah. Okay. So I think I know the answer to this question, but when you first got started with photography, were you producing the kind of images that could get you in the room with people like Justin Bieber, or Tom Hanks, and Jessica Alba? Or did it take you a while to grow, evolve, and start creating the images that you produce today? Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I look at that first trip to Africa, and I was like, I got I got back, and I was looking at the images, and I was like, I thought I was good doing what now I look at there's like three okay images that I would, you know, I would probably show somebody is like where I started. That's like three like of the whole shoot. And uh, no, I mean, it took me years to get in that space. And even when I shot that Nike job, I have no idea. Like they were really, I think, just in a pinch to find somebody. They didn't really care who it was. They just needed somebody that could do it within a week's notice and fly all over the U.S. and and do that. It was like had enough capability you know, portfolio wise, but I didn't have any celebrities. I didn't have any athletes or anything like that. I think that job was just kind of a fluke, really. 
uh, you know, because it was it took me another like five years before I was even photographing any types of those people. So, I mean, you know, I think it's it's like I've always talked about the 10,000 hour rule and I think it's so true. You know, that curve has has shortened these days uh, or it's it's hockey stick these days because access to digital like technology and education online is so prevalent. So if you combine the two of those and you find somebody who's really just motivated and, and hustles, you can learn so fast. Now Um, you can buy, you know, you can buy a professional grade digital camera for 600 bucks and, you know, you can buy an iPhone now, like an iPhone, the iPhones are amazing, you know, but if you get into like a professional grade camera for 600 bucks and then you take some online classes and you just go out and you shoot and you shoot and you shoot and you just learn, you can learn really quickly. So, you know, when I was in the game, you know, when I started, that was the beginning of digital. There was no classes online, nothing. I had to like learn all of this myself. And, you know, my, my, th- thousand dollar digital camera is like you know a fraction of an iphone right now you know in terms of like quality so yes it does to get to the space where you're in the room with those people that's a whole nother story and that's a lot of connections but i mean i know there's tons of kids that are out there shooting for these stars and these celebrities and these influencers and so a lot of it is building relationships too uh, as long as you can have the work to back it up Right. There's still something to the art of a relationship. For sure. Okay. I want to talk to you about how you stay creatively inspired. So from your colorful photos and thoughtful Instagram captions, it seems like creativity just oozes out of you. Like it's a little, it's a little enviable how how much it looks like it just oozes out of you. So how do you practically stay tapped into that creative energy? <laughs> I mean, it's probably I'll, you know, I'm definitely a creative person, but I definitely have my downtimes. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because I'm actually like building my my personal brand now around always be creating. And I think that like transcends into so many different um, categories, not just making art, but creating your life. I mean, it starts with creating your moments. It starts with, you know, creating your art all the time, creating your moments, creating the space for everything that you want, creating, you know, and designing your life the way that you want it to be. So, you know, I think, you know, thinking about things intentionally, setting yourself up to create like my space in my my apartment is all intentionally created that to get me inspired and to make me feel like I want to be here and I want to be creating. You know, it's been up and down, hands down, for sure. Um, But I think creativity is a state of mind first before it's actually, you know, implemented into output. And I think that, you know, we always constantly have to be coming from a creative point. If you're the, the, the War of Art, it's a great book, but Stephen Pressfield talks about, it was one of the first books I read years ago next to uh, Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. So both of those were huge key players. But I think, you know, with, with Stephen Pressfield, he talks about the resistance and the resistance is the thing that keeps you on the couch from creating whether it's procrastination, it's laziness, it's I'm not good enough, it's the loops that's playing in your head, it's the I'll just do this tomorrow, I'd rather watch a movie. And, you know, when you can start to become aware of that voice in your head, and instead of sitting on the couch and watching a movie, go make something. 
And I think it's really, it starts there. It's pushing past the resistance. And he also talks about turning pro. That's another book of his. And he's like, you know, the pros push past that voice. The pros do what they need to do. They get up, they create no matter what. I think that's kind of been the root of where I've started. And then, you know, for me, I just love making things. So, you know, whether it's hats or it's photographs or it's, it's podcasts, I think for me, you know, and I, and I'm gaining all these different skills, like the, you know, the, the photography skills help sell everything else. Now I'm doing like self, I'd been, I'd done a self portrait project, uh, in quarantine, but I'm, I've also been doing my own photos and creating my own personal brand, um, with my own skills. So like, I think it's all 360, but I think it's also now that I've created the habit of always creating, it feels off if I'm not. So I, and I, I almost, for better, for worse, feel guilty if I'm not creating something productive. Um, even if that's like creating self-care time and creating time to, you know, meditate, time to exercise, time to, and creating the right outlook in terms of optimization of like eating healthy and taking care of your body. Cause that all plays into your creativity. Cause if you're not eating right, you know, then you don't feel as good and then you feel lethargic, then you want to, then you don't want to create. Same with, you know, exercising. If you're not exercising your body, you don't feel good in your body and same thing. Like you just don't feel like creating. So I think consciously thinking about the things emotionally that keep you from, from creating and from that mindset is something to be aware of. So always be creating all the time. Nick, you and I could be best friends after what you just said, because I I'm so into this. I have to tell you in the last, so I have a book that I released just, it just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's called Sleeping with a Stranger. And in the end, really what one of the main realizations is, is because I basically was going, 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 had three young babies and my husband was in and out of the hospital. And I just was trying to run this business and, and, you know, get it to a place where it could support us and everything. And I finally, after just like, major fatigue learned over over a couple of years how the mind body and spirit are all connected and how the very first thing so today like that's that's the most important thing it's the first thing i do every day is take care of those three things my mind my body and my spirit and i wake up at 4:30 and i have an hour and a half before anyone else wakes up and it's just it has changed my life i mean just focusing on those three things. And like you said, it is self-care, but it is also a form of creation. Yeah, absolutely. It's, so, it's very powerful. And I saw on your Instagram and I was a bit fascinated. I think it was a, a credenza or something and you had your incense and your crystals and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to know, <laughs> I want to know even more because I've just stepped my game up a little recently with, with the scents and stuff. And so I just, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm like, this kid knows what he's doing. I need to, you know, <laughs> You got to get on the, (laughs) you got to get on the temple Copal game. That's my new, my, I met these guys. Like I spoke on a panel, like a few, like last year and I met these guys and they're sticks of Copal. And like, you can just watch the way they burn. They're just amazing. It smells really good. It cleans the energy, cleans the air and the way they burn. You can just watch them for like, you can just watch for hours. It's mesmerizing. Um, yeah, they're great. I actually did a dopamine detox this weekend for the, I've never done that before. And half the day I was just like watching these, the copal burn, just like mesmerized. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yes, I hear you. I hear you. It is. It's so. It's so like. It's just soothing. It's just peaceful. I don't know. Okay, so back to back to photography. So, I have a lot of students who are photographers, and they talk about how saturated the market is. And in some ways, you know, there's a low barrier to entry because anyone with a camera can call themselves a photographer. But how do you learn to stay in your lane, stay focused on your work, and then when there's a sense of competition and how can you do that in a healthy way? (laughs) Funny you should ask that because I'm trying to figure that out myself right now. (laughs) It really is. It's a different world right now. I've been trying to navigate it, to be honest, myself. It's super saturated for like the very reason that I just told you. You can buy a professional digital camera for 600 bucks and learn and know what you're doing. And then a lot of these kids want to get into the game. So they'll just like do everything for free or for like little to no money, which, you know, has a whole effect on things. But I I also think that if you really just kind of if you keep grinding and you keep grinding hard and you create a style and a signature and a point of view and uh, as as an artist, uh, that people really seek after. That's the trick. I mean, you know, for me, it's, it's, and part of that is like, who's in your portfolio and, and who are you shooting? Cause those people, you can leverage those people to get other people. And, you know, I think the combination of all those things, you know, it's, it's Parsi also probably about building a personal brand. It's like a lot about relationships. I think, you know, it's a lot more about relationships now than it, than it used to be as you you were talking about earlier is is like people if you can take a good photograph great but they want to know who who they're working with and like what's is that person fun are they cool to work with or are they you know not so nice that's that's also a big factor is is who you are personally and how personable you are on a shoot how you guide things how you you know i think directing is also a big piece of it and like really understanding how to give direction and how to to with your talent because that's a whole nother ball of wax so overall i would say it's creating a signature and a creating a uh just a really strong point of view and that takes years you know that takes a lot of shooting and creating i had this in in my book i actually wrote a whole a section called abs theory which is always be shooting and the more you shoot the more you have to curate from the more you learn the more you can start to to dissect patterns and 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 create a style for yourself um, and the only way to do that with any art across the board with any anything is to sh- to create a lot and then edit down to your best Sleeping with a Stranger is officially available everywhere books are sold in hardcover, paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Since the book's launch, I've been amazed by how it's been received. From being named a bestseller by USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble, to incredibly personal and touching reviews from my amazing readers, it's been such a wild journey. Here's one of my favorite reviews. I love the honesty of this book. It is real and raw and doesn't hold back, and that is why it is so mesmerizing. I could relate on so many levels, and I know it must have been so hard to write about many of these very personal and taboo topics. I couldn't put the book down. It was such an easy and enlightening read. I highly recommend this to anyone who is soul-searching or just looking for some perspective. Truth is better than fiction. I can't wait to share this story with you. To get your copy, go to jessicazimmerman.com today or wherever books are sold. 
And to make sure you get all my upcoming book tour updates, join the newsletter list now. So a lot of people struggle with Instagram. I think they struggle with, what do I say? What do I, what do I, what picture should I use? It's not light and bright enough or it's, you know, whatever. I think that people are spending, you know, a lot of time worried about what they post and you seem to show up so effortlessly on Instagram and your feed has, you know, that perfect mix of, or what seems perfect, you know, of authentic in the moment thoughts and pictures while still looking really totally on brand, you know? So how much of that is purposeful and planned? And how do you identify your own personal message, turn that into a brand voice and keep the two separate, but still intertwined? So basically, how do you how do you fully embody your brand while still keeping your personal identity separate from your brand identity? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is is think about who you are as a person and what do you bring to the table? Like, what brand attribute? What attributes? Uh, who are you as a person? Then you take that to Instagram first. But I think you know, I I think it's really about the idea of living your Instagram right in the in the sense of what you put on Instagram should be congruent with who you are in real life. And, you know, cause who wants to meet, you know, you, we've all met people who we like seen on Instagram and then you meet them and you're like, wait, are you the same person? And why would we do It's the same with like dating apps and things like that, where, you know, you see somebody and you like, somebody puts a whole different foot forward. Maybe that's called catfishing, but they're not congruent with, who you met like who you meet in person and i think if you can start out you know for me i just like i think it's a it's a space of just being and like translating that photographically which is kind of what i do when i build personal brands as a as a photographer i really help take people who they are and then translate that visually and tell that those stories uh, so it feels very congruent from who they are to what they post and what they put on their websites and, and different things like that. So everything that we shoot and we create it tells their story. So I do that with myself. Everything that I take a photo of, it's like it has some sort of congruency authentically to who do I who I am. I mean, I love hats. I love I'm inspired by style and and how I dress. Like that's I just like I'm dressed styled up and I'm just sitting in my living room by myself right now wearing sweats and, and <laughs> of course. Um but like that stuff inspires me. So that's that's who I am normally by myself in quarantine. I love hats, so that's a part of who I am. So I capture all of that stuff photographically and tell that story and even when I'm I've been thinking about when I'm creating say like the self portrait quarantine project I was doing was like what what I just normally do how can I create like photographic concepts around what I normally do in my house you know during quarantine which is just pretty much like any other day that I'm home and uh tell that story right so I create those photographs and then when I post it I like to write captions that tie into that photograph, it, you know, so like I did one on, you know, fitness. I, so I shot a photo of myself working out uh, in my in my space and I talked about how fitness was important 
to just like creativity and all that stuff um, and wrote a whole caption around that. So I think it's kind of a little bit of both, you know, it's like, it's, uh, there's, there's a whole, I think there's a whole hashtag or Instagram account called girls with irrelevant captions. And it's, (laughs) it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, that and influencers in the wild, completely amazing account. I mean, it's so funny. That sounds hilarious. Um, but it, 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 yeah, it is. It's like girls, like they'll post a photo of themselves in a, in a bikini looking all hot. And then, and then the, the captions like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm like, I just want to like, you know, help people enlighten, you know, it's like so irrelevant to what the actual photo is. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So let's take that as an example of like, be congruent with the photo that you're posting, like talk about what's in the photo, how like figure out some way to like correlate the photo with actually what you're trying to say and tell that story. And that's, I think where the voice starts to come through and where the congruency starts to come through and where the authenticity starts to come through is when you can keep that through line, keep the DNA, keep the story, you know, from who you are sitting in your apartment to what you're projecting out into the world. And especially if you want to become a brand, an influencer or a personal brand or a thought leader, all that stuff has to be really congruent. Oh, so good. So good. I mean, I'm sitting here like as you're talking, I'm looking and I'm just, I'm agreeing with you on everything that you're, that you're doing. And it just all looks so good. You've inspired me. I want to, so I was supposed to have this remote TV interview and it got canceled because I'm going to end up going out there live in a few weeks because they're opening, thankfully, after the whole COVID thing, they're going to be opening the studios even soon. But anyway, I had it all set up to do it remotely. So I had the white background and the, you know, the lighting and stuff, and it's still just sitting here. And I'm like, after I get off of this interview, I should go just do a self-portrait. I want to, I should create something like I should, I don't know. You're so inspiring. It's crazy. <laughs> well, thank I you. I love it. Thank you. Um, because I'm like, what do I, what do I, what do I have this for anymore? I mean, I just need to get put it down or something. Anyway, okay, so that's what I'll do. Okay, this is the last question. So Nick, I ask everyone this question because I think it's fun. If you had Oprah's money, so you know billions of dollars, and you had to spend it on something totally selfish for yourself, what would you buy? I would just f- fund and amplify everything that I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Which is I mean, awesome. Yeah, it I mean, shows I, that you're, you're exactly where you're supposed to be and doing exactly what you want. Yeah, exactly. Like I would hire a team and business to amplify it, and then I just make stuff, so I don't have to worry about making money while I'm trying to make stuff. That's exactly. a whole other ball game. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I love that answer. Isn't it though? It really is. It is another ball game. Okay, so this has been awesome. Tell everybody where we can find you. Uh, you know. At Nick Onkin on Instagram is probably the the like best place. You can get to the hats, you can get to the podcasts, the photographs, all that stuff. I'm working on a new nickonkin.com, uh, which will be coming at some point in the next near future. Good deal. I'm excited. Thank you. This has been so fun to learn about you. And I hope that everyone has been inspired because I know I certainly have. This is great. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Isn't Nick the best? I hope his wisdom and insight into creativity, branding, standing out in a popular industry, and playing the long game were as helpful to you as they were for me. This week, let's be reminded that as creatives, we can celebrate our creativity before we try to use it or monetize it. Your specific creativity is part of your unique identity, even if you aren't sharing it with the world. 
If you love today's podcast, would you do me a favor? Share, review, and subscribe. Your support means the world to me and allows us to create more free-to-you content to help you in life and in business. I read each and every review and feel so encouraged by your support. I'll be back next week with more tools and insights to help you on your journey. If you loved what you heard today, or even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.